0: today.
2: are amazing, amazing, amazing,
1: amazing.
2: There's a fly ball, hit on the left waiting is Jones, the Mets of the World Champion.
1: Here's the one-two pitch. Check him out. Fever has 19 strikeouts. Jones on the run, this one has a chance, home run, Mike Piazza, and the Mets lead 3-2. To, to left field, Floyd, and after running rough shot over the National League, the Mets have a title to show for it, 2006 National League East champions. Here's the payoff pitch from Fabelia to Fowler on the way, and it's in there, strike three
0: it's another edition of the Talkie Mets podcast here on this Sunday, February the 10th, 2019. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at MetsamorizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. Hope everybody's doing well. Going to kick off uh, the show here. I'm not going to go on too long. Got a great guest, uh, former agent and media consultant, Joe Casal. He's been on the program before, long-time friend, known him for about 10 years. Really smart, uh, actually has a family member that's an MLB player. I'll keep that nameless, although he, he doesn't hide it. Uh, young man that's you know been up and down, not a, an established player, but knows a ton about the sport. And to kick off, and I know spring training is just... A few days away, and you guys are probably like, Mike, I really want to talk about the Mets. What do you think? Well, you know what? Brody Van Wagenen is going to be on uh, WFAN tomorrow with Mike Francis? I'm really curious to hear that. I have a lot of thoughts, and I'm very bullish on some of the things I see with the, the team, uh, guys showing up early and, and things like that. And I will get to that uh, with another podcast probably uh, during the week. We'll do something later this week. Maybe not the weekend, but later this week. Um, kind of a kickoff of pitchers and catchers at some point. Um, but um, I, though I'm bullish in that sense, I wanted to really address what the big story was in baseball this week, unfortunately, which not just the economics. The economics have been a huge topic throughout the winter with because of the fact that both Manny Machado and Bryce Harper have not been signed. And I've been in the camp that have said, you know, these guys are offered pretty good contracts, and if they want those a-Rod 10-year deals, I don't know if those are the guys I'd give them to. And there's a report, I guess, earlier this weekend where Manny Machado was offered eight years $250 million. To me, that's a, a pretty good contract. But on top of that, with a really slow offseason, there's concern uh, by the owners and the players to uh, the pace of play and also some changes in the game, which I'm not really in the camp of messing too much with the game. I've said all along. Uh, this isn't the NBA. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we're at the point where it's the hand-check era where teams can't score anymore or the neutral zone trap with the NHL or the NFL, which really opened it up for wide receivers. I don't want a MLB the show version of baseball. I like baseball. Now, with that said, I would like to see a universal designated hitter. I've always been a fan of the DH. I think it allows teams. I mean, geez, I, I don't think David Wright's career could have been extended, but if there was a DH option, who the heck knows what could have happened there? I think a guy like Suspidus certainly needs a DH. And it's not just for the Mets uh, in the National League. It's it's generally going to help you create more offense. Uh, yes, it will put more pressure on the pitchers. I think it will manage just in this, the fact that you don't have to pinch hit or make those tough decisions. It may actually allow starters to go longer uh, and help uh, mitigate some of this bullpen nonsense. Uh, I'm all for that. Uh, I'm okay with a 20-second pitch clock uh, when there's no runners on. I'm not sure I want to mess with shifts. Uh, I'm not sure I want to mess around with the draft. Uh, I Honestly, I think that as as teams evolve, if they don't want to compete and they want to go into these five- or six-year losing cycles, eventually it's going to hit them in the pocket, which is attendance. And I know that there's regional sports deals that are covering it up, but winning is the only thing that uh, fans want. You could have all the Sunday events for kids and all the other cool bobblehead events, but if they don't win those teams... That's going to hurt you at the gate, and and eventually getting fans' booties in the seats is what you want. So I'm not for changing the game a ton. Uh, I have some concerns about the economics. I'm more, as much as I'm a player's guy, I'm also in the camp, just like with the rules, that things organically evolve. And right now, uh, teams are investing more in other parts of the game. Uh, that are not seen and Maury Brown, uh, as as I was recording this piece uh, with Joe Casal earlier today, tweeted out uh, some ominous data that basically the percentage of baseball expenditures for salary and and minor leaguers and and uh, bonuses is down about looks like three to four percent. So maybe I'm wrong on that, but uh, ultimately it looks like that the teams are investing more in the back half of the roster in the minor leagues than they are with. Overpaying elite players or B players A money and C players B money, so on and so forth. So, what do you think? Do you like the DH? Are you all for the rules? Uh, basically, I'm going to bring on a, a longtime uh, media consultant, former agent Joe Casal. He's going to tell me his thoughts. Uh, I'm for letting this thing play out. Uh, I know that there's some storm clouds with labor relations, but a lot of times, messing with something and getting too involved and tweaking and playing with something. Uh, Sometimes it lead, leads it to being broken, broken in a big-time way and very hard to put back together, the old Humpty Dumpty uh, analogy. Let's take a quick break. When we return, Joe Casal, media consultant, former agent, will be joining me. We had a nice, long conversation earlier today as we kick off the start of spring training, the baseball season. We'll get back to the Mets. I know you said, oh, hey, Mike, you did the, the feature with uh, Mike Piazza's wife the other day. Now you're doing this. Trust me, we have plenty of Mets talk. I really like to hear what Brody has to say before we get into a long podcast uh, and talk about the state of the Mets. I'm very interested in his thoughts. We'll be back with Joe Casals. We talk about MLB rules, proposed rules changes, and the economics of baseball right after
1: this. Maybe some huge rule changes coming towards baseball, and one of the more radical is the three-batter movement. Tell us about that. So the idea behind this is, as you've seen in baseball in recent years, Teams just cycle through relief pitchers yep. late in the innings. It slows games down to a grind. You have a lot of left-handed one-out specialists. The Lugie. There. Yes. yeah, the Lugie I, I mean, it's a it's a great acronym. Not so good for the enjoyment <laughs> of the game, yep. though. And I think Major League Baseball really wants to push the idea that games are going to be quicker. 20-second pitch clock is a reality, David. That's going to happen. It's going to happen. Whether it is the union agreeing to it and getting something out of it or Rob Manfred putting it in place, I don't think he's idly saying right now that I'm going to put it in to try and extract leverage. I think that's going to happen, and I think the three-batter minimum could happen this season, probably likelier for next year, though.
3: We're back and joining me, good friend of the show. It's been a while. He's a former agent, uh, media consultant, and he's a New Orleans Saints fan, so we'll give him our condolences in the opening. Uh, It's been a while. I've talked to this uh, guest for the better part of a decade. Anytime uh, back in the day when this was a a New York baseball show and there was a Yankees topic, we brought him on and now uh, if you follow him in any capacity on Facebook, uh, you see he has a lot to say about what's going on in baseball and this week with the talk about some of the rules changes and obviously the economics of the sport with spring training next week starting uh, you know at the forefront i figure let's bring in somebody who has a, a pretty unique view and, a, and an inside view of the game and it's uh, our buddy joe casal former agent media consultant joe uh pleasure to have you on first let's start off with the super bowl you actually are a saints fan and he decided to spend Super Bowl Sunday probably not watching the game. Not to rub it in, because I'm not a big, you know. Either way, it doesn't matter to me. But pretty, uh, pretty big deal there, not watching the Super Bowl last week.
2: Well, it was racquetball time for me, so it um, <laughs> it was disappointing since disappointing end to a great season, and the NFL's inaction after the fact was was just as disappointing. But you know that, like most professional sports they have a hard time uh, dealing when things are not uh, going as copacetic as they would like it, especially in their postseason. Yeah, and, and let's talk about baseball. So, you know, here in New York, and,
3: and this is a Mets-centric show now, but, you know, Mets fans, Yankees fans excited about the season. Uh, you know, at this time of the year, everybody who's a big baseball fan is excited about the season. But there's this cloud the last two off-seasons, and we'll start with the the economics Uh you know about how free agents have been handled. Players are starting to tweet and say things. The CBA, and for the first time probably in 30 years, maybe 25 years, talk about is a work stoppage the way to go is actually a real thing now. Harper and Machado are kind of the poster guys for this, and I'll let you kind of get into this. But today there was a report, who knows if it's true, that Machado was offered about eight years and. $250 million by the White Sox. I know that the Nats supposedly have been offered, you know, I've offered uh, Harper a 10 year, $300 million contract. These are players, Joe, that are very good, no doubt, but 10 years is a long time. And some could argue, and I've said this, maybe it's not the money, the per year money. Maybe it's the years, maybe it's Boris. Um, or are we back to 1985, five and Bud Selig in collusion one or collusion two what was that nineteen ninety? you know what
2: what are your thoughts on all that? Well, Mike, if you remember the um the late great George Young, the general manager of the of the New York Football Giants, who has the classic comment and quote on this is that when they tell you it's not about the money, it's about the money. Um, when Alex Rodriguez signed his record deal with the um, Texas Rangers, In 2001, I believe, Um, the $250 million deal, the first one, Major League Baseball and annual revenues of $4 billion. Major League Baseball will top $11 billion in revenues this year. And Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, 26-year-old superstars, in their prime are being offered less money. The game has never been more profitable for owners. Um, That money is not going toward the players. And the owner argument is because of the analytics and because we are evaluating players differently, um, we are streamlining how we use player compensation, how we determine player compensation. My argument is when profits rise and the players aren't getting their share, you're going to have labor unrest. That's what we have right now. Isn't it funny how, amidst the winter, of which there was no buzz in baseball? None. I mean, you had the four major free agents who are still unsigned. Um, the Yankees have had their share of criticism, and rightfully so, with regard to spending three years saying, We are getting under the luxury tax to pay you know, to spend in this free agency and they aren't um, really the only two teams that have generated any buzz in the off season of baseball has been the Red Sox for winning the World Series and the Cincinnati Reds for signing players. And you ask yourself, is that really good for the sport to be starting pitchers and catchers this week with no buzz? And my argument is it's not. And it does get down to labor, and it does get down to player compensation. And if you you notice last week, all of this discussion of rule changes, um, we've we've heard no information that there was a universal designated hitter being put on the table. All of a sudden, it is now. And the reason being is their owners are trying to find a way to placate the players because they know there's a lot of talk of a work stoppage in 2021. And that's the reason why all of a sudden that's on the table.
3: Now, the owner's side, I'll throw that out there, is that they're taking some of the baseball-related income and reinvesting in player development, international market. Obviously, that's IE analytics departments that are part of this whole thing. Uh, evaluating players to an nth degree. You could make any player look bad. And look, I've done it too. Now that you have all this information in front of you, you start to question, oh, is this guy as good as I thought? You know, you could go back, you know, any any point in time. You see it with the Hall of Fame discussion. Uh, do you think that there's a certain chunk of that money? Forget Harper Machado that used to say, you know, I'll spend $3 million on this backup. That now they're reinvesting in player development, farm system. Again, cost controlled. We know that but that's the way these teams feel that they could have some sustainable winning copycat on the Cubs copycat on the Astros, so on and so forth.
2: Well, what's interesting is baseball has been really for the last 43 years, a business that has been paid for production. You produce, you get paid. Now baseball is trying to shift the argument to pay for a projection. And, that really doesn't make a lot of sense when you think about it. Um, you're you're in a situation where you're trying to project, let's just say, for the sake of our discussion, um, teams are reinvesting in their farm system. And there is no reason why you can't reinvest in your farm system and also sign free agents and improve your roster. But that's a separate conversation for the moment. If you're reinvesting in your farm system, you're projecting production three to four years down the road. Now, all of a sudden, you are a major market team or even a non-major market team, and you have a Bryce Harper on the free agent market, a 26-year-old former MVP, productive known quantity. How is that not something that you would want to improve your product with? When I hear teams turn around and and I hear this a lot and you'll hear it on sports radio teams are really going for it this year or teams are not going to go for it this year but the ticket prices remain the same fans want to be entertained fans want to believe their team is trying to build a winner and really half the teams in major league baseball are not doing that and i'll even give you another example the whole concept of openers now we instead of starting pitching we're going to have openers well that is done to suppress the starting pitching market because starting pitching is such a priced commodity what better way to suppress it on the open market than to have an opener how do you compensate an opener mike in arbitration for example if you were a, oh, guy that opens, a mess. right if you yeah, if arbit- you were a guy that opens 27 games and pitches 27 shutout innings for example how how are you compensated the fact is there's really no way to compensate that person adequately he's not a closer he's not a setup guy he's not a starter so this is another way to suppress the market and i think players are starting to catch on to this and they're starting to see that you are headed toward a labor confrontation in 2021 it would be different mike if the revenues wouldn't support player increase in payroll but the revenues at a record high i mean the miami marlins were sold for 1.2 billion dollars last year so even the worst team in the league is worth a billion dollars there really is no logical reason why teams can't go for it and teams can't sign free agents. They're choosing not to because they're choosing to maximize profits, which owners have a right to do just as players have a right to collectively bargain for, for better wages and better increases when the collective bargaining agreement expires. The mistake the Major League Baseball Players Association made similar to the mistake the NFL Players Association made. They traded comfort for cash in the last CBA and they got and they got beat. That's the reality oh. of it. Yes, there were you you know, yes, more, more off days.
3: Yes,
2: there were more off days. days. Chefs, things like that. Correct. Yeah, and you know, better hotels, more off days. You did that, but the trade-out was this current luxury tax system and this current compensation system, which frankly is broken. And now the question becomes, how do you fix it? And that's where you're going to have that confrontation going in. And, and confrontation is healthy. I mean, it's, it's how the game grew in the seventies and '80s. they They're in another growth spurt now from a regional standpoint, but revenues are up. The question now is how do you take the game to the next level? And it's going to require both owners and players being on the same page to do that. And I agree with you about
3: rebuilding the farm system and rebuilding your pipeline and competing and winning. It's become an either or, and I never understood it. And almost the, the crowd that does, you know, the front office types that decide to punt and do it, the long range play, mock those. And we'll use the Mets and Van Wagenen, who, you know, whether you like the way he went about building the roster or not, so be it. They're trying to compete, uh, at least within the scope of the resources or lack thereof, depending on how you look at it there. Um, You know, here's one way to solve it. And I'm not a CBA expert, but I go back to the NBA in 2011. The talk throughout that whole situation was basketball related income, and it resulted in a floor. It resulted in a required percentage of the basketball-related income to be spent as part of the total pie. Uh, what was it? Three summers ago, there was, you know, the teams had to, you know, spend a certain amount of money because they were, uh, you know, to get to that threshold. And you saw free agent contracts given out like candy. You know, here in New York, Courtney Lee and Joaquin Noah, guys who probably in this market now would not get it. I'm not an expert. I'll throw it to you. You know, maybe that's what baseball needs. Now that could open up a huge spending floodgate if indeed, you know, they agreed to, I guess the NBA is somewhere like 52 or 53% of basketball-related income uh, that they are entitled to. I can't remember exactly what it
2: is. Well, there's no question that baseball, is, baseball players are going to say in 2021, look, we're, we're an $11 billion industry today, yet the payroll percentages are down from what they were 8 to 10 years ago there's going to have to be either a floor there's going to have to be some discussion and you know look people talk about salary caps all salary caps are there there is no there there, there is no ag- reality that salary caps promote parity baseball has had more diverse and different champions over the last 15 years than any than any of the salary cap sports but what's happened now is the luxury tax has become a de facto salary cap because owners have been able to sell to fans that there is a benefit to be under the tax. And the question I have as a, as a fan, what is the benefit to me as a fan if you are under the luxury tax? If you are Heist, Hal Steinbrenner and you are under the luxury tax, how do I benefit? My legend seats are still hot, the highest prices in the league my concession prices are high my parking prices are high there is no change to the fan experience except my team may not be as good as i would want it to be and if my team is not as good then why would i go to as many games and 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 that is the crux of the issue it's wonderful to sell to the fan base listen Here's what we're going to do. We're pulling back a little bit. We want to get some bad contracts off the book. We want to do some things. That's great. Fans will buy into that. But then, when you don't pull the trigger on deals and you still stay under it and you make public comments as if to as if to say this is going to be your standard business model, then there should be some compensation back to the fan by reducing prices. If you're not going to do that, then there is no benefit for the fan to say, hey, I used to go to 30 Yankee games. Now I'm going to go to 10. I'm going to save that money on the other 20 games. It doesn't make a person a bad fan. It makes the fan more judicious. When we go into other markets, use the Pittsburgh Pirates, for example, They went through a three- or four-year period where the team was very competitive. Then they began to sell off their assets, the McCutcheons, the Garrett Coles, and they changed their team. Their farm system went down from being a top 10 farm system to a bottom 10. So now the Pirates are not competitive anymore. Yet the fans who supported that team in droves, they're asking, hey, what's the next plan? You know, and and so these are the questions that fans should be asking owners. I've never understood the mentality of fans applauding owners for not spending money on their teams. You should want the most competitive team you can you can have because you want to have that ballpark experience, and we have seen in the last eight or ten years teams emerge who were surprises. So you do. Everybody does have a chance to win, but what's happening now is the owners want their cake and eat it too. They want to have record profits, and they also want to be able to have as many cost-controlled players on the roster as possible because that maximizes profits. That's that's a, that's a tough way to go. Because guys, and,
3: and, and look, the, fa- the 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 attendance is starting to drop, and the the real catch here is the TV contracts. Because I might not go to Yankee Stadium or City Field, but I'm going to probably watch these guys on TV. I mean, it's hard as a lifelong baseball fan to not turn on the TV and put on YES Network or SNY, especially if they're in the pennant race, and even if they're not, it's just the thing to do. Although it's becoming a lot easier when your team is out of it with the options you have to punt. I mean, look, I'm a Knicks fan. I'll be the first to admit I'm not watching every play. I'm punting on games. I'll kick in to see certain parts, but I know they're not here to compete and win. Uh, Now, in that sport, and that's the thing about this this whole rebuilding and not competing in in the NBA, where one or two players are going to make a big difference, and you probably can't win without that top 10, 12, 15 player. Probably after the top 10, those players are going to help you win, but you're not going to win a championship. Look at Carmelo Anthony. NFL, you know, a quarterback changes the whole situation. In baseball, that's not the case. Like, yes, Machado and Harper were top picks, but I could put either one of those guys on a bad team, and yes, that team will be better, quote-unquote, but they're not going to win a championship. You have to build a team. Uh, Jacob deGrom was not a top pick. He was a Cy Young Award winner. It makes zero sense to me not to compete, especially from building a culture, and I know that that's you know not the thing that front offices are into. But to me to just have teams be bad, not win, have lousy clubhouses while you're waiting for the baseball gods to say your prospects, which may or may not panned out already, to me, it's, it's taken the Cubs and the Astros, and it's totally bastardizing the concept. It's making it see- they're trying to be the NBA. They're not the NBA. It's totally apples and oranges. As much as the. the, maybe I, the I completely agree. The fans sometimes forget about it. I, I never got it. What What is the number one versus the number eight pick in baseball except for the rare case? And even then, Mark Capel, has, has anyone heard about that guy's name? Think about it. I mean, it's, it's insane to me
2: that nobody talks about it. Well, that. there's no there's no question. And, and, and really, and what's happened is even using the Cubs, let's use the Cubs as an example. When the Cubs won the World Series, the thought was, hey, this was a team that was building a dynasty. That hasn't happened. And what's happened to the Cubs since? You have fractured locker room. You have fractured relationship between Theo Epstein and Joe Madden, who's now going into a lame duck year as a manager. You have a team that's a pretty flawed ball club. And you start saying, well, what what did you gear all this up for to win that one title? That's it. And the Astros, they went through a lot of losing and, and they look like they have some sustainability, but the Astros also went out and tried to win. You know, they went out and acquired Justin Verlander. They went out and acquired Garrett Cole. Um, you're just, you're not seeing teams do that. I mean, even you can use the Yankees as an example. I, I'm a huge believer in the team needed to get younger and more athletic and all of that. But you have Bryce Harper sitting there unsigned. And if you put Bryce Harper between Aaron judge and Giancarlo Stanton, you can't say that the Yankees are not a better team. I could understand them moving away from a Manny Machado And and it has nothing to do with Machado's act or anything. It has more to do with, you've got young infielders like Andujar and Torres that, you know, you you can justify passing on a Machado. How do you pass on Bryce Harper? You're a major market team. Your payroll is still going to be close to $50 million under the Red Sox, who are in your division and who, by the way, won the World Series. So, and you have advertised openly the last three years to your fan base, passing over a lot of other players to say this was the year we're going to gear up. And so when you turn around and sign um, DJ LeMay, who's a nice piece, um, Troy Tulowitzki, great guy, hasn't been healthy for five years. And then you wonder why fans are not happy, or you wonder why your ticket sales are flat. That, that's the other side of the equation when your analytics department is running your player personnel. They're, you know, the, you could be making great baseball decisions, but there's still a marketing aspect to this business, Mike. And what, what is lost in baseball this offseason, and it's hurt the entire industry, is there was no hot stove league. There's no discussion. I mean, it's just, there's none. There's no buzz going into a season. That's not good for a sport. Last Sunday ended the NFL season. People are already talking about NFL free agency in cities. Who's going to be the quarterback in this city? Well, the N- How is the NBA dominated this week? The NBA. The NBA trade every, line. We hear it all the time. In baseball, you've heard nothing. That's not good for the industry. And that's an industry wide problem. That is it. And that's what owners have to understand. You want to build a fan base you want to get that next generation fan interested you have to provide 12 months a year of content content like the nba does like the nfl does if you don't do that you get lapped and in today's world it's hard to catch up once you get lapped no that and i have joe Cassell, a former agent
3: a media consultant joining me. great conversation i don't want to get to that because that's a tough uh, you know, changing the culture of MLB versus those other sports, it's, it's a challenge. Now, on cue, while I'm talking to you, Maury Brown, Forbes, you probably know Maury, uh, just came out with a graph. And I guess he's coming out with a piece uh, this week, which co- takes the percentage of player compensation to MLB revenues. Now, these percentage of player compensation is the MLB salaries, the minor league salaries, plus the amateur bonuses. So everything is in it together. Um, I guess in 2018 was at 54.8%. Now, it's not the lowest. The lowest is 2012 at 53.8. It's been as high as 57 to 58 in various years. 2015 seems to be when it hit its zenith. That was right after the TV deal kicked in. And now the trend line has been a sharp 3 to 4% decline. So it looks like and what Maury's saying is that the top six players on a roster, basically Harper, and Machado types, those are the guys getting hit. Now your nephew, it's, you know, you went out there is 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 a is a a guy that's like a right now trying to be at the 25th man, maybe a backup. Uh, I always felt those guys get as as clocked as much as the big guys, but here it's basically saying those are the guys who are still making their pay for what their level is. Uh, it's the big guys that are getting. Uh, you know, basically dig uh,
2: ding gear. Well, there's two areas of getting dig. You get big guys are getting dig. And then the non catcher over 30 player gets dig. If you're a catcher, you get a chance to hang in there longer as a backup. But if you're a 32 year old outfielder, even with four or five years of major league experience, you're, you're getting, you're getting stuck in triple a behind guys that are, Maybe utility players and cost control guys that are sitting at the back end of rosters. Um, if the reality of the I use the Yankees as an example, if Tyler Wade could hit major league pitching, the Yankees wouldn't have had to look to sign DJ LeMahieu as a super utility guy. They would have had a cost-controlled player who could play four or five positions, who could run, who was athletic. And could do those things, but unfortunately, Tyler Wade can't hit major league pitch, so they couldn't have they couldn't risk another year, especially with Didi Gregorius out for maybe for at least half the season, maybe longer. They couldn't re- risk playing a guy hitting 180, 170. So they they signed Lemay into a two year deal. The, these are the decisions that are getting made. You look at at at, at rosters, the top guys. I mean, there is no way baseball can spin how two of arguably the twelve best players in the game, the number one starting pitcher in the free agent market and the number one closer on 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 a free agent market who was on a world championship team, are unsigned four days before spring training. That's absurd. And, you know that and it's not collusion. i mean I, I don't think it's a collusion situation. I think it's teams trying to keep the the market down on top-end salaries. Because as we talked about earlier, baseball has been a production-paid business. If you can keep the top-end guys down, you're going to keep all the salaries down. The under-three guys, as the judges, the Sanchezes, the Confortos, as those guys become arbitration-eligible, if you're keeping the top-end dollars down, you're going to keep their arbitration-eligible years down. And that's what's happening in the sport. Are you are you
3: harkening back to the 80s when guys like Kirk Gibson and Tim Raines and Lance Parrish? I mean, they they weren't even getting offers. And I mean, that was obvious. I mean, that what they did, what Bud Steele did and never gets talked about was the equivalent of driving by the police at 95 miles an hour and the cops just not pulling it over. And, and there's no question when that happens. But to me, this is not quite as.
2: It's not, the not as Juris Familia
3: gets a three-year deal. Juris Familia gets a three-year deal. The owners turn around, and I look at this graph, and they're like, well, 55% of, of revenues to – of, of uh, compensation to total uh, revenues, that's probably higher than the other sports, I would think, or align with the
2: other sports. I think that's what they're going to say. If, if Yeah, not and, me, but, but what's happened me. is you had a guy who, who was given a lifetime ban in the sport got reinstated and signed a deal and you have the closer on the world championship team who can't get a deal. It's just, it it doesn't make sense. And, you know, and what's happened now is it's, I, I don't say it's collusion because there's a legal definition of what collusion is, but what it is, it's the own, it's owners trying to keep the salaries from not rising in line with the revenues and that's where the imbalance is right now the revenue rise over the last three or four years in baseball salaries on especially the top end guys which do determine the market have not risen in accordance to it and that's a big problem because there are other parts of baseball that need work i mean the discussion of pace of play the discussion of a universal dh the discussion of shifts things that the sport needs to address to make it more appealing. And, you know, baseball is a sport that doesn't showcase its athleticism um, because they basically are bogged down in the dogma of the way we've always done things. Um, And that's unlike other sports. But you can't get to those issues, Mike, when you have the labor issue front and center.
3: No, that, that, that is true. Uh, you mentioned the NBA and NFL, and I look at baseball, and I look at – now, a lot of what's gone on in the NBA with Anthony Davis asking to be traded, with how LeBron has created super teams, with players essentially now forcing their way to these teams. I don't know if that's a great thing either. I mean, it is what it is, and it makes for great, great radio. I mean, NBA serious Radio is, is fascinating when you, you listen it to this time of the year. And, and NBA Free Agency, July 1st, fascinating. NFL not quite like that, but NFL has become because it transcends and it's localized. And every part of the country, football is a passion. It's not the case with baseball because there are parts of the country that didn't grow up on baseball. So unless baseball, and this gets to the rules part of this, has that culture, which I don't think it will. Because an Anthony Davis-type player in, in baseball could force their way to another team, i.e. the Yankees, similar maybe what Stanton did to a certain degree, but it's not going to change. When A-Rod was around, it was a little different, but even so, you still need to have a team around it. Um, and players, and you know this, having someone who you're, you're close to that's gone through a minor league system, the grind to get to be great, it's a grind in every every sport. But you know this, Joe, the minor leagues, the nonsense, the garbage, like they almost have to become these creatures of habit, these routine creatures of habit to get to the level to be able to get there and then stay. There's so much natural talent, not to say that these other sports doesn't doesn't require that, but the positions that sell, the quarterback, things like that. um, You could jump from college to the pros. Yes, it's a big jump. Yes, there's tons that go into it. But, you know... You could be a star overnight. Doesn't happen in baseball. Uh, and well, couch, I think that 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 player makes an impact that no player on a baseball
2: team can make for the most part. In 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 but in I if, think we all, we're talking about marketing though, and where the NBA has lapped baseball. The NBA markets its players hard. Okay, the player is above the fold of the team. You know, it's Anthony Davis and the New Orleans Pelicans. LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. The NBA actively markets their players. Major League Baseball has its commissioner say last year, well, Mike Trout has to be more marketable. No, it's your job to market them. Major League Baseball does a poor job marketing its stars. Bryce Harper is a star. Bryce Harper is a guy that if you put his picture in front of sports fans' faces, they're going to know who he is. So it is in baseball's best interest to create an offseason of where Bryce Harper is going to play. Baseball doesn't do that. The NBA does. That's the difference between the two leagues. We went back to what we discussed earlier. You need to have 12 months a year of content to keep the fan engaged. If you don't do that, you have what baseball is right now, which is a regional market. There are certain fan bases that are excited about the season. Most fan bases are nonplussed. When you have a major fan base, for instance, in New York, that's nonplussed about the season. Now you have a big problem because that's one of your big guns. So, it, And that's the problem that Major League Baseball has. They've been... Labor wars have been going on, Mike, since 1973. Even when there was labor peace, there were labor wars. So when you have over 40 years of distrust, it's really difficult to get on the same page of market to sport. And what happened was baseball was almost grandfathered in as the national pastime. It's no longer that. The NFL is, followed by the NBA. Those sports are at a different level than Major League Baseball is right now. They shouldn't be, but they are. And baseball is still, you know, you're still fighting the old wars. You know, it's like you still have the Atari game system. You know, what are you doing? Why would you, with record revenues right now, with probably the best technology in the market, with with the MLB technology that allows you, to, to watch games and everything, with all that you have, why would you be looking to tamp down player salaries now? You guys should be working with the players to market the sport globally. And they're not doing that. And they're getting passed.
3: And, and I think the NBA, you talk about the NFL, I think with the concussion thing and what have you with the NFL, and that product, that game has, been, even with the opening up of the offense, has... Has, is not the same quality. I think the NBA could could potentially at some point give them a run for their money, not now, but and that's a discussion for, for a different day. Now, as far as improving the game, you and I know the marketing piece, that takes a lot. That's a diametric shift that's not that going to happen in, in, in a year or by a CBA. That's going to organically grow. So now there's some rules changes that have been thrown out there. And here's the thing about sports. I feel like today we force change because we want to fix everything. We don't let things organically develop. Uh, Some sports, the NFL has opened it up for offense. They basically made it matter. That's what they made it. The NBA, they didn't like the way the Knicks and other teams uh, slowed the game down. It got really bad. They had to make a change. The neutral zone trap in the NHL. So a lot of these sports are unrecognizable versus 20 to 25 years ago. Now, baseball to a certain degree is when you talk about shifts and the way players approach. But to me, you want you, launch angle is a good concept that now everybody thinks they're going to be a home run hitter. The, the next guy hits 220 with 10 home runs that used to hit 280 with three home runs and finds out that nobody really likes him because – You know, what made him good? He doesn't, you know, 10-home runs, 12-home runs is a great jump. Does it matter to anybody anymore? Maybe then players will start to say, well, this doesn't necessarily make me a better player. It has to be implemented correctly. Those are things that organically work themselves out. Um, I don't like to mess with the sport too much. With that said, there was a bunch of stuff thrown out there. I know I'm throwing a lot at you, but bear with me. The three batter minimum for pitchers don't like it. Uh, Universal designated hitter, I've been saying that for years. They should do that. Moving the trade deadline up to the All-Star break. Well, I propose moving it to August to give people more time to evaluate their teams. Players Association probably wants to tell teams to make a decision on contending earlier. The 20 pitch, uh, the 20 second clock for the pitchers with no one on base. I don't care. That that probably makes sense. Expansion of rosters. That's the owners, like you said earlier, throwing a bone to the Players Association. You know, capping the pitchers. I'm fine with that. And then they talk about lowering the mound. I'm totally against that. Uh, and then there's other things about amateur contracts. And the most, the biggest thing, taking the draft and putting winning teams at the front of the draft versus losing teams, you know, that's a big deal too because that could be the rich getting richer again, uh, especially with, you know, teams like the Yankees and New York teams with the Red Sox. Then you have perpetual dynasties, which may not be a bad thing for marketing purposes. So with that said, Joe, I threw a lot at you. I'm for tweaking a little bit here, maybe with the designated hitter and the pitch clock. I don't care about messing with the deadline. I'd move it to August to give people more time to evaluate their roster. Um, but other than that, I think we're just trying to tinker with something here that will organically fix itself like every other sport for the most part
2: fixes itself. Well, I think that baseball's problem is they're taking the left-handed hitter out of the game with shifts. Um, it's I I I am a proponent of having all the infielders have to stay in the infield. Having a short right fielder, you know, almost, you know, an infield in short right field is almost like softball. You're taking a left-handed hitter out of the game. Um, if you look at left-handed hitting batting averages the last three years, it's been a precipitous drop. Um, Mark Teixeira had an interesting comment last year when he said that, you know, he would not encourage his kids to be switch hitters. And it used to be that, hey, that's that had value no longer having value. Um, I think that when anything that you can do to showcase the athleticism of players today, we should do. I'm a big believer in I wouldn't eliminate shifts, but I would have to keep, have everybody have to sit in the infield, not playing in the outfield anymore. Because if you hit the ball, Mike, if you're a left-handed hitter and you hit the ball between second and first, and it's and it's fielded by the third baseman who's playing short right field, you're actually, you know, you've done your job as a hitter to get a hit. You're getting cheated out of that hit. And right. that that's not good for the sport at all. It also, for a sport that wants to pride itself on its record keeping, um, how are you going to evaluate players? Because that's not how it was 30 years ago. The game has evolved. And I'm not, I, and, and I think that if you're, it's it's a compromise with shifts, that everybody just stays in the infield Um, because what's happening with launch angles is that these guys are taught in a ball now that hitting the ball on the ground is not good. So it's a sport now that is home run, strikeout, walk. There's too much inaction. We are a sports society today that wants action. So the sport is going the exact opposite tide of the tide That sports are in right now and that that's not good for the sport universal dh to me is a no-brainer the national league is the only league in 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 baseball anywhere that doesn't use the dh i mean so i mean it's i i know people want to say oh purists but you know what the world's changed and if and, and for years people were against it because they didn't want older players um with making big salaries in that slot um but you know what Fans want to see stars. It's a star-driven sport, Mike. And if David Ortiz lasts seven more years playing in the majors because he can be a DH and, or, or any other player you can pick up. If Robinson Cano lasts three more years because he can DH 85 games, you don't think that's going to help the Mets? Of course it is. I mean, so why this, would we...
3: I mean, for Cespedes, that's what he, that's maybe correct. what his position is going to be.
2: Right. Why yeah. would we not want to keep the stars in the game longer if we have that opportunity? And I think that that's something that needs to happen. I'm not. I'm not on messing with the mound. We already have enough pitching injuries as it is. Why are we going to mess with the round the mound and start risking more injuries? Pitching is fragile enough as it is. Um, the roster stuff that's always discussed. Um, there's the roster should be larger. And I, I say that because now with travel the way it is and the sleep deprivation studies that all the teams have done and rest being such a requirement where you're not enforced rest now guys that they are taking out of lineups you're not going to see a Cal Ripken anymore so if if the idea is player safety player health player longevity then there should be larger rosters because then you don't have to then you don't have to keep playing injured players. When you can give guys sufficient rest, so at the end of the year, your better players are fresh and healthy enough to contribute. And when I say larger rosters, if it's a twenty-seven to twenty-eight man roster, teams can navigate it. Um, pitch so, clocks, so I, you know, being go, in the sorry. minor, watching enough minor league games, honestly, players adjust to pitch clocks much faster than broadcasters and uh, and people covering the sport do. So that that's not an issue at all. <laughs> people covering the this if you of the honestly <laughs> honestly mike if you took 30 seconds less per half inning on commercials you're going to knock 20 minutes off the game just to well that,
3: that's that. So. listen that's uh, the the elephant in the room
2: <laughs>
3: screen on screen
2: advertising and, and look the
3: revenues of a commercial for 30 seconds you know joe Especially on Fox and Big Network. Exactly. And maybe not, you know, on Yes, you know, lesser extent. Because, look, anybody who's a little bit in the business that has an eye for this, I know when there's filler on some broadcasts. When you see right. Caesars. yes, split and Virginia, screen. Yeah, You're split split we've screen, seen and You know the now, filler. Like, Caesars screen. at one point, yeah, Caesars Correct. at one point was a partner at City Field. They had a whole uh, lounge named after them. You know, every commercial they have. Trust me, that's filler. If they could pay, put that commercial to another pay, uh, sponsor, they would. They didn't have something, they threw it in there. You could see their frame on frame that that whole thing. Now, listening to you, um, I don't have any problem with anything you said. The shift thing is complicated. It is diametrically messing with the game. But out of all the things that I threw out there, I'm okay with messing with the shift to a certain degree. You're basically saying at this point, baseball's at the point of where maybe. The NBA was with the hand check and the NHL was with the neutral zone trap and maybe I mean the NFL opened up so many things for the offense. You're basically saying baseball, which hasn't done any of that stuff, is pretty much at the same point as those sports were when they had to make those changes that are big time changes to the sport where there's a demarcation line, pre hand check, post hand check. You're you're basically saying oh, that baseball I, is at I the think
2: point. they are. Because there's just too much, and and you're talking to somebody as you know. I watch five to six games a night. It you're talking. There's too much dead air. There's too much dead action. You know, it's it's just it's launch angle, home run, strikeout, walk. We're we're not showcasing the athleticism that we see in the sport. Sports more athletic than it's ever been, and guys aren't being showcased for that because it's just bogged down. With shifts and bogged down with the new dogma of launch angles, because the shifts have taken hitting the ball on the ground out of the game. We're not seeing guys showcase their range at all. I mean, if I'm sticking my third baseman, you know, Bryce Harper comes to the plate, and I'm sticking Nolan Arenado in short right field, I'm not showcasing Nolan Arenado's greatness in short right field. Okay, I'm showcasing Nolan Arenado's greatness when he's playing third base, making acrobatic plays, you know, and and that's we should be sitting down saying, how do we showcase our stars? Because that's what the NBA did. The NBA said, look, yeah, it's 1994 and the Knicks are brutalizing teams and other and Detroit's brutalizing teams and all that. But we're not showcasing our stars. We're not showcasing our athletes. How can we do this better? And they went through a whole new renaissance. And, you know, the old timers will say the game is soft today and all that. But you know what? Fans are completely engaged. They love the athleticism. You want to see baseball showcase the athleticism of the sport now because we have some remarkable players. But they aren't marketed by MLB and 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 their talents are not showcased because they're bogged down in an old and unworkable system.
3: You know, I know I've had you on a while. One last thing. So, you know, everybody then, you know, wants to address the tanking. To me, it goes back to our original point. You know, the fans stop showing up, the tanking goes, you know, becomes a bigger problem to these owners. But the regional sports networks and the money coming in from that covers up a lot of attendance drops, in my opinion. And I have to tell you, as someone who starts to really look at their cable bill, and I'm in New York and there's a lot of taxes in that, and that's never going to change. So I could complain about it. But I got to make decisions, and so far, I haven't cut the cord because you know, my wife likes certain things, and I like the sports, and it becomes exponentially harder to watch any of the local teams when you don't have you know, the basic kind of like package. Uh, if you're a non-sports fan, I think it's very easy to cut the cord. And those people, and there's a lot more of them out there than not, and that's what sports fans don't realize. I think the majority of people don't spend time listening to this podcast Listen to Joe and I get deep into the weeds about baseball. They'll watch a game. They'll watch the World Series. They'll watch LeBron. They'll watch the NBA Finals. They're not living and dying this day in and day out the grind. You know, they're cutting the cord because they're like, I'm not paying for this, and they have Netflix and Hulu and whatever else. I just got a new TV. There's more apps on that thing that if I wasn't a sports fan, I probably never would need a cable package. But to me, that revenue can be be in jeopardy. When that revenue goes away – That chart that our good friend Maury Brown tweeted out about 20 minutes ago when we started, the revenues go down. When the revenues go down, that's when this could get ugly because they're not going to want to pay the players even the 55% they're getting now. They're going to want them to kick back a hell of a lot more. And I don't know if the in-stadium experience can be wound back. I think the cable, the TV,
2: that's where the money is. For live it's also gambling. It's also legalized gambling. Well, and that's game, the reason why these leagues are. That's but that's the safer. reason why maybe the leagues safer. are jumping on the legalized gambling now because they're looking for that additional revenue stream as people are cutting the cord. You know, it's it's all so intertwined. If you make the sport more appealing and more interesting and more compelling, and you do that in your off season. You do that with the content that's provided in the offseason. When you go into a season with no buzz, Mike, it's really hard. I mean, if Hamilton had no buzz, would people be going to Broadway to see it? You know, it was no. the buzz that created the show, and then the show became a classic. You don't have yeah, that and even the mlb network baseball. The, MLB now, the
3: radio I actually enjoy, but there's a lot of, you know, radio is a different thing. There's a lot of GM speak, and I enjoy that, but I enjoy that. But as far as the television, I think they could do a lot better job with that. Um, you know, that, that that certainly comes into play. It's, it's a very complicated situation uh, right it now is. for baseball, very complicated, and, and, and,
2: and, and it's not
3: going to be an easier. All right, so what is this? I had Rob Nair on a few weeks back. He said the storyline of the year for him was the opener? You brought that up earlier in in the in the broadcast. What is your storyline that you're really looking for this year? Is it the player with owner relationship? Is it this free agency thing that's going to bleed? I mean, would Bryce Harper, or Manny Machado sit out till July to get what they want? I mean, what is your story that you really think is going to be
2: the overarching theme of this
3: baseball season?
2: My story is labor. My my story is that we have labor on the forefront. And barring a miracle, we are going to have a work stoppage in 2021. And if that happens, how is it going to affect the sport? And I think that everything that's going to be done this year in Major League Baseball is going to be through the prism of 2021. Um, you got a lot of angry players. You got a lot of players who are starting, and you have some of the younger players in the game now. The Alex Bregmans, um, the Aaron Judges, the Michael Confortos, the guys that are the next generation guys, they're watching what's going on. And they know their numbers are going to come up next. And it's going to be very interesting to see how labor is going to be at the forefront of this. Because, you know, Mike, we have a new generation of people who are even covering the sport today. Yes, we still have guys who were around during the real labor wars. But a lot of the younger guys covering the sport, they weren't around in those times. They don't understand how deep rooted the distrust was and is to a large degree today. And it's going to be fascinating to me to watch this newer generation of players with more information at their fingertips than they've ever had before. And their ability to get their message out via their own megaphone on social media and how that's going to play in the labor discussions as we go forward. Well, keep an eye on this Forbes article. Looks like some
3: stuff is going to come out. I mean, to have uh, Maury uh, tweet out actual percentage of revenues and getting that information, there's uh, a leak. There's a leak in the dock over there, you know? So, uh, Joe, uh, great stuff. I told you, 15, 20 minutes, and look at this, we did 45. So... Get back to your Sunday. Uh if you if you do have a chance to follow Joe, or if you do some of the fans might be following Joe on Facebook. He has good dishes he puts out there. So if you're hungry, don't follow Joe on Facebook because you're gonna probably overeat then and go find yourself a pizza place somewhere or uh whatever have you. Joe, be well, my friend. Always a pleasure catching up. I love it. Take care, my my, my Thanks, Mike. Enjoyed it. That's uh that's Joe Casal, uh, former agent, media consultant, good stuff. We'll take a quick break. We'll wrap up. We're, you're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more right after this.
0: Hey, Mets fans. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsMerizedOnline.com. Right now, that's METS M E R I Z E D online.com and get Metsmerized today. Hey, I want to wrap up real quick here. We had a, a great show. I want to thank Joe Casal, former agent, media consultant, for joining me today. Great conversation. Of course, I want to thank the good folks over at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media and you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. I'm your Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back with more Talking Mets podcast next week. Baseball season's here, everybody. Be well, everybody.